Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode, we are going to take a look at end times and what is the, um, how does it all play out? What is the order of events? And we're going to take a look at why I believe what I believe and what I, why I believe that uh, the Bible tells us specifically um, the order of events and um, where we get them in scripture and such. Um, and so stay tuned and we're going to talk about some pretty deep things, but uh, some things that a lot of people have a question about and a lot of people uh, are misinformed or they just don't know. So let's go ahead and start with an overview. The, the whole question about end times and, or eschatology hinges on a number of things. Um, first of all, where your view of the rapture is. And uh, we'll talk about the rapture in just a moment, but the rapture of the church, when Jesus Christ comes and takes away his people, do you believe it exists or not? Um, and do you put it at, before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation? But even before we talk about the rapture, there's another larger event that um, determines a lot of what camp you are in, in an eschatological sense, and that is the millennium. And where do you put the millennium? Uh, there's two major camps. There's a premillennial camp and an amillennial camp. The amillennial camp would say, we're in the millennium right now and that there is no future millennium to happen, and that uh, we are in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God, as we, um, as we see people come to Christ, and as we bring more people to Christ, we will usher in the kingdom and just go right into the kingdom. They don't believe in any tribulation period. They don't believe in the, in the, uh, the uh, millennium, uh, other than we'll just usher right into the kingdom. And the the pre then there can be a pre tribulation um, millennium and and this is a uh, or pre millennial uh, viewpoints where this means that we're not in the millennium yet it has yet to come and it is something that is um, talked about in scripture but we're not there yet and there's reasons why and so. I am going to tell you right up front the camp that I stand in. Um, I, I stand in a, a premillennial camp and a pre-tribulational camp that I believe that the order of things is going to be basically this, that at some point Jesus is going to return in what we call the um, the rapture of the church. He's going to return. He's going to take believers who are believers at that moment to be with him in heaven. And then at that moment, that will start a seven-year time period. A seven-year time period that's split in half between two, three-and-a-half-year time periods. That seven-year time period is, is what we call the tribulation. Uh, it's detailed out mostly in the book of Revelation. There are uh, things about it in Daniel as well as some of the other 
uh, prophetic books of the Bible. But um, most of the detail that we have about the tribulation comes from the book of Revelation. And there's a three and a half year first half. And then we have the um, Antichrist setting himself up as God. Uh, and then we have another three and a half year final part of the tribulation. Then at the end of the tribulation, there is a, um, a war. And at that war, then um, we talk about the next thousand years being the millennium after that war. The next thousand years being the millennium, where the only people going into that thousand years are people who have come to Christ during the tribulation time frame. The, the people who did not accept Christ are, are destroyed or are, are sent to hell um, or to wait to go to the lake of fire at the end of the millennium. And that millennium starts with people from the tribulation time frame that came to Christ during the tribulation. And so those people go through the tribulation or through the millennium, excuse me, and they have sons and daughters and, and it's a thousand years. So there's a lot of people that are born during that time frame. And some of those people who are born during that time um, do not know Christ, do not uh, put their faith in Christ because they still have to do that the same as you and I. Um, and so at the end of the millennium is the big war, the, uh, the Armageddon. And so at that point, the uh, Gog and Magog are, are gathered together at um, the, the Valley of Megiddo. And we have the Battle of Armageddon, which really, um, if you look it up, isn't much of a battle. Um, they gather there for war against God, and uh, the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth uh, takes them out, and they're done. There really isn't much of a battle, just like you know, me trying to, to fight God is not much of a battle. Um, and so that's the end of the millennium, and then at that point you have the Great White Throne Judgment, and then after the great white throne judgment, you have some that are going to eternal damnation in the lake of fire and some that are going into their eternal reward. And you have the new heaven and the new earth that come down out of heaven and, um, and were ushered into the eternal state at that point. Um, eternal glory for those who have followed Christ and eternal damnation for those who have rejected him. So that is a quick overview of uh, what I believe the Bible teaches us, and, and quite clearly, really. Um, now, some people take and put the tribulation, um, they split it up a little differently. They put the Some people put the rapture instead of before the tribulation, they put it in the middle of the tribulation, because there is a real distinction between the first half of the tribulation and the second half of the tribulation. Um, the second half of the tribulation is also called the Great Tribulation because um, the judgments of God escalate in the second half of the tribulation. So some people would call themselves a mid-tribulation um, rapture, or uh, if you've ever heard of a pre-wrath rapture, that's quite that's really what they're saying. They're they're a mid-tribulation rapture. Um, there's a post-tribulation rapture, which um, 
doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because uh, there's not really a purpose for a rapture at the point at the at that point at the end of the tribulation because all of God's enemies are are put underfoot and so it r really doesn't make any sense and there's no biblical basis at all for a post tribulational rapture. Um. So why not mid trib and why pre trib? Well, there's a num number of reasons. Um, one of the reasons that we're going to take a look at is the um, uh, pre-tribulational rapture. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I meant to look at the the premillennial first, but let's let's go ahead and and since I've already introduced it, the the rapture um, is from a Greek word that's um, arpazo, and that uh, that means to be caught up. And it's, it's to be caught up, to catch away, to pluck, pull, or take by force. Uh, the word is, is never actually translated rapture. That's something that we have used to define it. Um, it it's a word that we use to denote the event and, um, to, to, of the catching away of Jesus Christ and his, uh, him coming back and catching away his church. And at that point... Uh, removing us from the uh, from the earth, and we can find this in Matthew eleven, uh, verse twelve, and Matthew chapter. I'm just going to give you some of these instead of reading these all for you because uh, because of time. Uh, Matthew chapter thirteen, verse nineteen. John six fifteen. John John ten twelve. John ten twenty eight and twenty nine. Acts 8.39, Acts 23.10, 2 Corinthians 12.2 and 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Jude verse 23, and Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5. So th those are places where um, harpazo is, is used, and we find the concept of the, the rapture in Scripture in John 14, 1 through 3. We find it in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 51 through 57, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And we're going to take a look at some of those in, in some more detail, because I think we really, really need to, instead of just leaving you hanging with just taking things from my, from my word, although I, I hope that I'm being truthful always with you, you should always um, check any Bible teacher by the word of God. Paul encouraged people to do that. Uh, that's why the the uh, the Church of Berea was considered more noble than the Thessalonians, uh, because they took everything Paul said and checked it by Scripture. Even the Apostle Paul was checked by Scripture, and he said that's a great thing. And so we'll do that. John chapter fourteen, uh, starting in the first verse, says, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me." In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So in this passage, we find that Jesus is going to come again and take us to be with him in glory or in heaven, uh, however you want to call it. And so that concept is, is introduced there in John chapter 14. 
If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51, it says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. By the way, that's not just a pithy saying that should be on the wall, and I've seen it on the wall of a church nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Um, that's kind of funny to apply to that, but it really doesn't talk about that. It's talking about death. We, we're not all going to die, but we will all be transformed. Uh, kind of like the transfiguration that Jesus underwent on the Mount of Olives with the disciples there where he met with Moses and Elijah when he was here. And so we will be transformed into our heavenly bodies, whether we, uh, well, let's continue to read. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So let's start with that last verse. He's encouraging them that their following Christ is effectual. It's going to have a an, an end time. They're going to be with Christ um, in heaven. And so it, it's going to have its effect. And that is because this passage says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And this is going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So it's going to be a very quick, very fast event. Um, and that Jesus comes back, it's gonna, he's going to split the sky and, and uh, it's going to be just boom and we'll be gone. And, and so this is, and some people get hung up on this phrase though, at the last trumpet. If you read that in the Greek language, it's actually at the last of a series of trumpets. And so some people think, well, this is the trumpets listed as the trumpet judgments in Revelation. And that's where they get the mid-tribulational Rapture uh, is equating that, but it doesn't say this is one of those trumpets. In fact, this was written many years before the book of Revelation. Um, and so it's really kind of a stretch to equate those two. And it doesn't say it's the last ever trumpet. It says it's the last of its kind. It's the last in its series. Um, and so this is a trumpet that will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So the dead will be raised from the graves um, and then those who are alive will be um, raptured, as we say, and taken up and changed in the air and we will meet them in the air. Um, however, 
if this were referring to the last trumpet in the trumpet judgments in Revelation, then why isn't that concept even mentioned at that point in Revelation? You would think that John, which had a lot more, he had a lot more detail about the end times than any other book in the Bible, would have put that detail in. Because this is a major detail. This isn't just a minor detail. That's a major detail. And so we see the rapture defined even more here in 2 Corinthians 15. And then if we go to 1 Thessalonians 4, you'll notice I'm looking down a lot. That's because I have my tablet in my lap, and that's got my notes on here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18 says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So he's talking about the very same thing that he was talking about in First in First Corinthians 15. This is the same writer. This is Paul. And uh, he's reiterating this. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, as he's writing to the Thessalonians, they're going through some troubles. They're going through some trials. They're going through some persecution. And he's giving this, this phrase as encouragement to these people, that they will be saved from the wrath of God, because that's the whole purpose of the tribulation period. And this, I believe, is one of the keys to when the tribulation is, whether it's mid-trib or pre-trib, uh, I think this is a, a very important distinction, that the purpose of the tribulation is the outpouring of the wrath of God through the three, possibly four sets of judgments. And you say, well, why do you say possibly four? I just see the bulls, the trumpets, and, and, and you know the, the three sets that are, that are listed there in, in Revelation, but yet there's also another set of something called the seven thunders in Revelation that John is told not to write about. And that's, that's there in Revelation. And so there's possibly a fourth set. And when you take a look at the three bowls, which are the first set, and the three trumpets, or excuse me, the seven bowls and the seven trumpets, which is the second set, and the group that wants to tell you that this is a mid-tribulational rapture says you're going to go through 14 out of 21 of God's judgments on this earth. And what is the purpose of these judgments on this earth? To, to pour out his wrath on a, a group of people who have denied him. 
And yes, some people are going to come to Christ through that, but the, the purpose of this is to pour out God's judgment. And so that wouldn't be very much of an encouragement as we've got in verse 18 here. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It wouldn't be a real good encouragement to these people who are going through these trials and tribulations and persecutions thinking, okay, we're going to go halfway through the tribulation. We're going to see a whole lot of mess of God's wrath, and then we get raptured out. I don't know about you, but that's not really a very encouraging thing to me. Well, we're going to pick this up at uh, next week, and so stay tuned for Freedom Fridays. Mm-hmm.